Take your Bibles this morning, turn to uh, 2 Samuel. Last week, uh, we looked at uh, you can function, though you come from dysfunction, and that was just a a couple chapters back. Uh, And it got me really thinking about um, what we find here in 2 uh, Samuel uh, chapter 11. Uh, We're just going to read these four familiar verses. You're going to be very familiar with the story. Uh, But uh, I want to put a tag on the text this morning, uh, how to keep from falling uh, off the wall, how to keep from falling off the wall. This, this is actually a very famous story. I mean, if you know anything uh, about the book of Second Samuel, you most definitely know the story uh, that we are going to stand and we are going to read in just a moment. It is a story that is gripping. Uh, it is a story that is compelling. It is a story that is exciting. It is delighting. Uh, it's a story that's actually uh, framed uh, uh, many movies. It has been the plot line of many soap operas. It's the story of David and Bathsheba. Out of all the things in life that David is known for, out of all the things in life that David has been able to accomplish in his life, and no matter what else he had done, unfortunately, he will always be recognized as the individual that had an adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. And many of us and some people in this life, until the day they die, they will always be known by something. Sometimes you may have like an uncle somewhere that he went to prison. And whenever they mention the uncle, no matter what good he's done, no matter what bad he's done, no matter, no matter what he's accomplished, no matter what he's not accomplished, no matter how much money he has or he doesn't have, they'll always say that, hey, that, that, that's Joe. He went to prison. I mean, I mean, they always got to describe him in some form or fashion by the fact of what he's known for. We know people like that uh, in our families. We know people like that that's out in our community. We know people that, that, that live at Lighthouse or, 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 or that are homeless or, or that live in our neighborhood. We, 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 we know them because of something that they did. And when you look at real life, there are a lot of people that are known for things. I mean, if we were to look at Ronald Reagan, I mean, Ronald Reagan would be known. I mean, he would, he would stand out for a lot of things, but one thing that he would certainly stand out for, he would stand out for his speech that he made on bringing down those walls. When he told uh, Gorbachev, we are going to tear down uh, these walls, that's something that will always stand out. Martin Luther King, in spite of all the things that he did, will always be known for his speech, I have a dream. Charleston Heston, in spite of all uh, the roles that he played as a movie star, will always be known as the role that he played as Moses. Nobody can do it like Charleston Heston. Judy Garland, in spite of all the roles that she played in Hollywood, she'll always be known for the role that she played as Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Barack Obama, regardless of whether he failed or he succeeded, he will always be known as the first African-American president of the United States. Donald Trump will always be known. No matter matter what people think about his presidency, his name will always be associated with finances. Mike Tyson, as good as he was as a boxer, he will always be known for biting off the ear of Evander Holyfield. Michael Jackson, regardless of his records like the Jackson 5 or Thriller, he will always be known for the moonwalk. Then when we get to Scripture, 
Judas, although he was handpicked by Christ, took care of the money, he's always going to be known by the one that betrayed Jesus. I mean, whenever you think of Judas, you always think of the one that betrayed Jesus. Peter, another handpicked disciple who had his ups and downs as well, he will always be known as the disciple that denied Jesus three times. Lazarus, the man that was a friend of Jesus, he will always be known as the one that Jesus raised from the dead. And when we look at David, he could have been known for a lot of things, and certainly in some of our minds, he's known for different things. But out of all the great things that David got notoriety for, out of all the great things that one of Jesse's boys, a, a sheep bear, a king, no doubt he will always be known for the news that he made with Bathsheba. See, sometimes you got to be careful about the decisions you make in life. Because sometimes the decisions you make in life, no matter what you do from there forward, you're always going to be known by those decisions. Now, I just want to insert a little bit of good news to you, and, you, and you've heard me say this on, on, on many occasions. I, I picked this up a few years ago. The good thing about people labeling us with things that we've done, here's just the good thing that I want to insert today that really doesn't have a whole lot to do with the substance of our message, but I, I want you to know that you can outlive and that you can overcome and that you can get through and you can get by no matter what those things are because we know that Peter was the known for... For, for denying the Lord those three times. But we also know that Peter comes back in the book of Acts and he delivers this great evangelistic, powerful sermon that's one of the greatest revival preachers ever in the scriptures. So, so what I learned about five years ago is don't judge me by what you saw me doing the last time you saw me. You know what I'm saying? Because in life as we grow in the Lord, no matter what we've got in the past, no matter what the dysfunction is, no matter what back in there, no matter what people may say about us, eventually we can overcome those things and we can move on. But for the sake of the message today, I want us to realize how how do we keep from falling off the wall? How do we keep from falling off the wall? I I, I believe that our world has, has fallen off the wall. I believe that we know a lot of people today directly and indirectly that have fallen off the wall. And so today, We're going to look at this story uh, about David and Bathsheba and see some things in life that can help us, that can prevent us, that can help guard our lives to keep us from falling off the wall. But let's stand this morning in honor of God's word. Out of 2 Samuel, we're going to read just the first four verses. This is the inspired word of God. God. And this word is a power to change lives. You guys sound good. 2 Samuel 11, it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent to Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rehoboth. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. I want you to keep that in mind as we go forward this morning that David tarried at Jerusalem, that David tarried at Jerusalem, that David tarried at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed 
And he walked up on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of the Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in and to him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanliness, and she returned into her house. Let us pray. Father God, this morning we're thankful for your word. And Father, we've not just simply showed up here to sing a few songs and to hear just simply a word about you, but Lord, today we need to hear something from you. Lord, I pray that I decrease so that you increase. I pray this morning, Lord, that your word will go forward in a way, Lord, that it will speak to our minds, that it will prick our hearts, touch our souls. And Lord, if there's somebody here today that's lost in need of a Savior, that today could be a day of salvation. And today, Lord, as we deal with the subject of falling off a wall, I would say, Lord, that all of us have been in similar situations as David. And Lord, today I pray, Lord, that you would just reach out and you would give us an, a warning, that you would sound an alarm, that Lord, we would hear a beep, that we would understand an alert, that we can learn from the life of this man and this story. And it's in your powerful name we pray. Amen. Maybe seat it. How to keep from falling off the wall. How to keep from falling off the wall. Last week, I kind of kind of touched that nursery rhyme, and it's what got me thinking uh, about this message this morning, the nursery rhyme entitled Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty. You know, we was taught about Humpty as little children, memorized it as teenagers and adults. We then repeated it to our children and to our grandchildren. And the rhyme will be told to their children and the children after that if the Lord tarries. And the rhyme will live on. We all know it. The rhyme is Humpty Dumpty uh, sat on the wall and Humpty Dumpty had a great fall and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. And you know what? That's a, that's a, that's a crazy story. It's a sad story. You know what, that, that nursery rhyme is so much in my mind. I, I mean, I can quote it uh, better than I can quote some songs, and, and I can even memorize that rhyme better than even some uh, scripture because it's something that we have repeated over and over and over again. And when you dissect and when you look into that story, it's actually a very sad story. It's actually a very tragic story. Here was a man, I guess he was a man, I don't know what he would be in today's world, but, uh, but, 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 but here was a man that seemed to have it all together. He was a man that seemed to be on top of the world. If he wasn't on top of the world, he, he certainly was on top of the wall. But one day this man falls off this wall, and in spite of all the effort of the king's man, in spite of all the effort of the king's horses, they couldn't put him back together again. 
Now, most of us, if not all of us, when we read that story, we tend to focus on the king's horses and the king's men. And even as a child, I, I, I couldn't figure that out. I, I, I kind of felt bad for Humpty because, because Humpty fell off this wall and he didn't get a second chance. I mean, I, mean, I mean, the king's horses and the king's men, they couldn't put him back together again. However, my brothers and sisters, this morning, I, I, I want us to focus our thoughts not on the king's horses, not on the king's man, but, but rather on why Humpty fell off the wall in the first place. I don't know if anybody's ever really thought about that. I don't know if any follow-up books like Humpty Part 2 has ever been written. I, I guess Humpty's life when he fell off the wall, I mean, it was just simply over. There was never like a Part 2 to the nursery rhyme. But why did he fall off the wall in the first place? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Never mind the king's horses. Never mind the king's man. How, how did he fall off the wall? Did, did he doze off and go to sleep? Did he fall off the wall while he was trying to climb up the wall? I mean, did he lose his balance on the wall? I mean, I mean how did he fall off the wall? Maybe, maybe someone pushed Humpty off the wall. You know, I've told this story on many occasions, but there's this millionaire, he collects these live alligators, he, he keeps them in the pool in his backyard of his mansion, and the millionaire had this beautiful daughter, and she was single, I mean, she was beautiful, and she was single, and one day he decides to throw this huge party, and during the party he announces, my dear guests, I have a proposition to every man that's here, I will give one million dollars or my daughter to the man that can swim across this pool full of alligators and emerge to the other side alive. As soon as he finished his last word, there's this sound, this large splash. There was this one guy in a swimming pool. He was doing all he could. He was swimming. I mean, he was stroking. He was going back and forth. And the crowd was cheering, and, and they were cheering, and he continued to stroke. Finally, he made it to the other side with only a torn shirt and a few minor injuries. This millionaire uh, at this mansion, he was so impressed. He said, my boy, that was incredible, fantastic. I didn't think it could be done. Well, I just want to keep my end of bargain. Do you want my daughter or do you want a million dollars? And the boy, the guy says, listen, I don't want your money. I don't want your daughter. I want to know who pushed me in the water. <laughs> listen, that's the question that comes to my mind as I read this story. We know that David is the king of Israel. David we know by all of our studies on David that David is this man after God's own heart. David is the apple of God's eye. David was chosen. David is anointed. David is appointed by God. Yet somehow, this great character in the Bible, he, he falls off the wall. Today, how many preachers do we know that have fallen off the wall? How many deacons do we know that have fallen off the wall? How, how many church members and lay people do we know that have fallen off the wall? How, how many neighbors do we know that have fallen off the wall? They, they, they seem to have it all together. But for one reason or another, they, they fell off the wall. Sometimes it seems like that people are in the prime of their life. I mean, I mean, they are on the top of their game. It seems like that they are on top of the world. And the next thing you know, you see it on Facebook or you get an email or you get a text or you get a phone call. And all of a sudden, that person that seemed to be on top of the wall, that person that seemed to be on top of the world, all of a sudden, they have fallen off the wall. 
I hear it all the time. I, I, I don't want to give any specific examples because some of y'all would know where it'd be that I'd be going. But I, I, the, the last time I saw some folks in my life, I, they were on top of the wall. They, 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 they seem to be on top of the world. And then all of a sudden, a few years later, I'm, I'm reading about things that have happened to them. I'm reading about situations they've gotten themselves into. I'm reading about the stories of their life. And somehow, some way, they went from what I used to know about them to what they've got going on now in their life. And so this morning, very quickly, I, I want us to just look at just a few points of how we can look at our lives. Several things that we need to develop. Several things in our lives that we need to use to keep from falling off the wall. And it's all illustrated very clearly in this text to which we're looking at. In verse 1, we see that we've got to guard from isolation. You know, we live today in a very lonely world. I read all kinds of articles and, and uh, all kinds of books, and it really talks about how lonely people are in this world. I, I mean, you could even be in a crowd this size and there are people here and we got people on the front of us, beside us, to the left, to the right, behind us uh, and in front of us. And people today are very lonely. I mean, I mean, we live in a lonely world. I mean, lonely doesn't mean you don't have people around you, but sometimes you can have people around you, but you still feel isolated. You still feel alone. You feel like you're only in it by yourself. And in verse 1, the very first thing that we see in David's life is David has isolated himself. He, he, he's all by himself. David should have been out on the battlefield. He should have been with a mighty man of valor, but he is isolated. David should have been on the battlefield with his partners, but David finds himself isolated. In other words, he's all alone. He is detached. His soldiers were at war, but it says that he has remained isolationism can cause you to fall off the wall. Think about the last time you sinned or the last time you messed up. You see, when we get isolated, all of a sudden it breaks fellowship. All of a sudden it breaks companionship. It, it breaks togetherness. We got to be careful when we separate ourselves from godly fellowship from Sunday school or church. That's the important thing about church. It's not just that you go and hear the pastor speak. It's not that you go and sing a few songs and worship, but, but, but we ought to be able to come together and encourage each other and build one another up and really have fellowship with one another. Because in this world, our world is very lonely. Our world is very isolated and we need others in our life. When we separate ourselves, we generally tend to get in trouble and subjects us to falling off the wall. All of us need somebody in our lives that can help us and hold us accountable. Listen, no man is an island to himself. No man stands alone. You know, when you think about some examples in life that all of us remember, y'all remember Gilligan's Island, don't you? Gilligan had the captain. Tom and Jerry, even though they weren't necessarily friends, they had each other. Amen. Jerry kept Tom busy. How about the road runner and the coyote? Oh, yeah. The coyote always thought he had the road runner, but the road runner seemed to always come out on top. Now, those were enemies. Gilligan and the captain weren't, but Tom and Jerry and the road runner and the coyote wasn't. Listen, Tonto had the Lone Ranger. And Robin had Batman, Starsky had Hutch, Hooch had Turner, Superman had Superwoman. You see, everybody needs somebody. Because if we don't have somebody in our life, we become isolated. You become isolated by yourself and you become subject to falling off the wall. We, we need somebody. 
Even if, if, if that somebody is an enemy that keeps our mind busy, we, we've got to somehow stay busy. We need, we need something in our life that keeps us busy. And what it says in that very first verse of 2 Samuel, it tells us that David stayed behind. So David has set himself up because he set himself up away from everything that he should have been doing and could have been doing, and he finds himself very isolated. In verse 2, we see that we've got to guard against idleness. David wakes up and there's nothing for him to do. You ever wake up and there's nothing for you to do? Listen, he wakes up. There's no one there to fellowship with. If he would have been at war, he would have been tired from that day's work of war. So he would have been too tired to be idle. If David had been where he was supposed to be, he would not have been idle. Because David was idle, the devil begins to work overtime. An idle mind is the devil's workshop. And because he was idle, it caused him to fall off the wall. When you find yourself alone, isolated, and then you find yourself idle, you will start doing things that you normally don't do. If someone was there, you might have not been doing what you'd be doing. But all of a sudden, when you get isolated and when you get idle, all of a sudden, the mind begins to roam. You know what? Sometimes you just kind of get bored. I, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been idle, but that's where the devil sometimes does some of his greatest work on people throughout history because all of a sudden we're alone and then all of a sudden we're going through this idle mind and all of a sudden we begin in trouble. And so David is about to get himself in trouble because one, he's put him in a place of loneliness and now he's become idle. And then in verse three, we see that you got to guard against inappropriate inquiries. When we read it out, it says he inquires of the woman that was taking a bath next door. When he found out that she was married, David should have stopped right there. But because he was isolated and because David was idle, it's going to cause him to fall off the wall. You have to be alert. You have to be careful about inquiries. You, you've got to watch yourself. What, what goes around often comes around, and the Bible says that what you reap is what you sow. Some people don't care about morals. They don't care about values. They just want to do whatever it is that they want to do. Listen to this scripture. We know in verse 1 that, that he has become isolated. We know in verse 2 he has become idle. And in verse 3, it says, David sent, and he has inquired after the woman. He's sent, and he's inquired after the woman. And this is a married woman. So all of a sudden, inquiry minds want to know because of the situation that he has set himself up in. And listen, we've got to be careful because we've got to stay focused on God. We've got to be where God wants us to be. And when we're where God wants us to be and we're focused on God, all of a sudden, we're less likely to fall off the wall. Our world today is certainly upside down. Today, our world, the ethics and moral values today of this world has probably sunk to an all-time low. And what we're fighting for today is truth. Everybody seems to have their own set of truth. Everybody seems to have an opinion of what truth is. There's no godly standard. There's no godly morals. There's no guardrails. There, there, there's no boundaries today. And it seems like we live in this wild, wild west world. And all we see from our world nowadays is everything is bleak and everything is bad. And we just live in a world where we're all constantly pursuing whatever it is that makes us happy. 
Listen, what we've got to come to grips with and what we've got to understand, the only thing that will ever make us happy is Jesus Christ. He says that he is the way, that he is the truth, and he is the life. And you can spend your entire life running around trying to fill it with everything, whether it be pills or alcohol or relationships. And listen, you're eventually going to get to the conclusion that none of that stuff will matter apart from having a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus. So how do we keep from falling off a wall? David gives us an example that he is, first of all, isolated. Then he's idle. Then he has an inappropriate inquiries. And then you've got to guard against infatuation. In verse 4, be careful with infatuation because you will have more passion for the person than you do for God. Infatuation will cause you to fall off the wall. You know, it's amazing today, even I'll even break it down to church. Today, a lot of times people are more infatuated with persons, more infatuated with styles, more infatuated with entertainment than they are with God. I was just reading some things last night and I was, I was looking over some things yesterday and it talked about worship. Today, when it comes to church, sometimes people think the, the louder the worship is, the more somebody sweats, the more they holler. I, I, I mean, they think, man, that's the bigness of worship. But worship has far less to do with what's going on the outside and more to do with what's going on the inside. Sometimes some of the strongest worship you'll ever do is not how loud it is, not how much you sweat, but it'll have to do with your heart and God and how you're in tune with the Lord. I mean, I mean, we've seen it. We, we've seen it through lately just through some of these documentaries or some of these great big churches, and they have these worship services that are just getting people just hyped to the max and fog machines rolling and spotlights, and it's going crazy. And people say, man, that's the kind of church I'd like to worship at. Man, what a moving service. But then when they do the documentary and we see all the things that are going on there, those churches, some of them at least, were not real. It was just all fake. It was all based on emotion and commotion, but no devotion. You see, God, when it comes to worship, he's, he's less concerned about commotion and emotion than he is devotion. What he wants is devotion. He wants to know if your heart is in tune with him. He wants to know if you're focused on him. And sometimes what happened with David here, because he's put himself in this situation, because of being isolated, because of being idle, because of the inquiry, he now is infatuated with the person more than he's infatuated with God. And keep in mind who David is. David is the apple of God's eye. David is the man after God's own heart. I mean, David, I mean, I mean, David. These are only known to him and him alone. I mean, nobody else in Scripture, even the Apostle Paul, nobody else gets the accolades that David gets. And David has put him in a self in a place where he is no longer focused on God, but he is focused on a woman. He's focused on a person. He's focused on a particular situation. He's become infatuated. That Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall, and Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. I want to close this morning with one really strong and good thought. And that's that that rhyme is an interesting rhyme. It's very catchy. 
The story's very intriguing. It's very sad. It's very hopeless. But I want you to know the story of the Bible is there's not any of us that can ever fall off a wall that God can't restore, that God can't put us back together. And I don't know today if somebody could write that rhyme. I believe it's written in grace. But the fact that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us, no matter what takes place in our life, no matter how far we run from God, no matter how far the fall is, no matter how much we mess up, no matter how much we screw up in life, God is always waiting, just like the father of the prodigal. He is waiting for us to just simply come and turn back to him. And when we make that step toward him, he will make all the steps toward us and he can always rescue us and restore us and put us back together again. All you've got to do is make sure that you give him all the pieces. And if you give God all the pieces, God can fix you. You know, there's no life in here this morning that's hopeless. No matter what you've done in life, no matter where you've come from, even if you've come from that dysfunction of Mephibosheth and Second Samuel in chapter 9, you can always know that God has a chance to restore you. You are somebody because Christ says you are somebody. And don't ever let somebody define you. You know, we are in a habit of letting people define us. And I've gotten old enough in life, and maybe it's maturity, maybe it's confidence, maybe it's, it's uh, just just being self-assured. I, I, I don't know what it is, but when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to God, I care far more about what God thinks about me than I do what others think about me. Because listen, there's always going to be critics. There's always going to be people that are going to have something to say about you. That's the person that went through divorce. That's the person that got bankrupt. That's the person that, 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 that cheated on this person, or that's the person that did that, or that's the person that did that. Here's the thing you got to understand about God. If you ever do fall off the wall, friend, falling off the wall, it it may hurt and it may be painful and there may be some things there when you hit the bottom that are going to be difficult. But I want you to know that God loves you and he cares for you and you can always be restored and you can always come back through Christ. Crestview is 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 a church of grace. It's a church of people that's come back. It's a church of people that have been able to overcome the things that have happened in the past. Let's stand this morning. Let's pray.